These are all the laws that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Obey them in the land that you are about to enter and occupy. As long as you live, you and your descendants are to honor the Lord your God and to obey all his laws that I'm giving you, so that you may live in that land a long time. Listen to them, people of Israel, and obey them. Then all will go well with you, and you will become a mighty nation and live in that rich and fertile land, just as the Lord, the God of our ancestors, has promised. Israel, remember this. The Lord, and the Lord alone, is our God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Never forget these commands that I'm giving you today. Teach them to your children. Repeat them when you are at home and when you are away, when you are resting and when you are working. Tie them on your arms and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Just as the Lord your God promised your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, he will give you a land with large and prosperous cities which you did not build. The houses will be full of good things which you did not put in them. And there will be wells that you did not dig and vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. When the Lord brings you into this land and you have all you want to eat, make certain that you do not forget the Lord who rescued you from Egypt where you were slaves. It's great to be here this morning. It's a bit nerve-wracking being here, however, rather than over there, which is where, where I normally am. Um, a programme, this is really uncool, but a programme that I really, really love and have done, actually, ever since in my 20s, I think, is the Antiques Roadshow. I just love that programme. And what I love about it is that in those treasures, I'm not, Joe, I don't think Joe and I own an antique between us, so I'm not really interested in the value of, of these objects. But what I am fascinated by are the stories behind them. It's amazing, whether it's a, um, one of those programs, you know, from uh, a Beatles concert and somebody will tell you the story behind it, that they were there and this happened and Ringo spoke to them, or whether it's a piece of Jacobean uh, furniture that's been handed down the, through the generations. It's, uh, it's amazing and it never ceases to fascinate me. And amazingly, as I was reading this passage, one of those stories came to my mind. And it was of a, a lady, a, um, a Jewish woman, who had brought a ring. I wonder if anybody who was watching it might remember. And uh, this ring was a family heirloom. And she had uh, brought this ring from, oh, her grandmother, sorry, had, had smuggled this ring out of Nazi Germany. She had had to flee for her life. All the members of her family that she left behind were killed. But she managed to escape. And in order to smuggle this ring, she had sewn it into the lining of her dress. And when she came to this country and, and was married and had a daughter of her own, she passed the ring down to her daughter. And her daughter passed it down to this woman 
who had brought it to, uh, to show the experts. And she wasn't interested, really, in the value of that object. What this woman wanted to do was to tell her story. And the background to this passage is important because it is about story. And it's one that we know well. The Israelites had been slaves in Egypt. They were treated cruelly and without mercy, but God came to their rescue. He raised up a man named Moses and told Moses that he would lead his people out of Egypt and into a land flowing with milk and honey. It would be the promised land. Well, as we know, things didn't quite go according uh, to plan as God intended them to because of the disobedience of the Israelites. And they wandered, therefore, for 40 years in the wilderness. But finally, here they were at the borders of the promised land. They were about to enter. Moses, who we know did not actually live to enter the promised land, had a message for the people. And I um, read uh, an amazing sermon that uh, Peter Misselbrook preached on this passage. And uh, I don't know whether he's here. <laughs> I haven't asked permission, he is here. But he summed, um, summed this message up in a really fantastic way with, uh, with the words L-O-R-D, Lord. And as background, I'm just going to share that with you very briefly. So L, this was the message to the people, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second was O, obey by living out the commandments living the way that he has called you to live. The R, remember. Remember the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And then declare, very importantly, tell others about the story. And in particular, teach it to your children. So if you're wondering why I'm standing up here, it's because it's about teaching this big story to our children and as most of you know that's the job that I've been involved in for many many years. Children are always asking questions. There are many aspects of this amazing passage that I could talk about but I'm going to base it around those questions that children are forever asking. The words what, what, who, when, how, and why are forever on their lips. And you hear it all the time. And if you're a parent or a grandparent of young children, sometimes you just feel you're going to scream because you are so fed up with answering those questions. What, who, when, how, and why? When my husband is talking to people about sermons, he uses the words of Andy Stanley, dig until you find it, build everything around it, and make it memorable. Well, the it this morning is passing it on. Those words, passing it on. And I'm gonna build that, build around that message using those words what, who, when, how, and why. So the what, who are we passing it on to? 
In 1 Peter 3, verse 5, it reads, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And often when we're thinking of sharing our faith, I don't know what happens in your mind, but we think about adults. We think about, when we're thinking about um, discipleship, we think about adults. But actually, probably what comes into my mind are the faces of children. And I'm going to be talking in these different parts over these next 10 minutes of what we as a church, how we as a church have understood what that means for us, how we understand it and what we are seeking to do about it. And it is quite incredible. I know that we're going to have that um, uh, parish profile type thing, I'm not quite sure of the name of it, that we do every Easter. And it will be jam-packed with ways that we are telling this big story to the next generation. And I'm just going to give you one example which I think is, is, is amazing. We have a whole range of people in this church who are very gifted at sharing the good news with children in a way that's accessible to them. But somebody that we don't necessarily always hear about is Belinda Stowe. Now, I have been for 20 years involved in, uh, in, in supporting schools, supporting church schools, uh, and writing materials uh, to, to help them share uh, this message with children. But I have actually never met anyone as gifted as Belinda at doing that. She manages to make things that are actually quite profound and quite complicated. She manages to make them not simplistic, but simple and accessible without losing the integrity of the story. And a little while ago, uh, when I realized the treasure that we had, I said, you know, what, I what I'd really like to do next, um, what I'd like our next publication to be, is, uh, is something that supports teachers to be able to do this in schools. And Belinda wrote this jack-in-the-box uh, for schools so it really supports teachers in sharing at, at a very young age. So children who are in the reception class, um, at sharing the good news with them in a way that's appropriate for school. And it was so successful, and it's used in the vast majority of Church of England schools up and down the country, that she then came up with the idea of creating something for church. Because when you're writing for a church, obviously it's a different... Uh, a different way that you write because you assume that the people who have brought their children to church are Christians. In a school, you cannot assume that. So, um, so this, is, this is what she wrote, Jack in the Box for Churches. It's online, and so most people will, will uh, download when they're leading sparklers, they will download the session that's appropriate for them. It's an amazing resource, and she is an amazing person. That's just one way with our very youngest children. Well, actually, the crash, we're doing something completely different, and there will be something coming out uh, based on what they're already doing. But this is for the three- to five-year-old, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing thing. This morning, Diane, who is our youth leader, invited me to go over and talk to the young people about uh, my story, 
because this is about God's story, but it's also about our story, our faith story. And as it was, I'd, I was already down to preach, I couldn't go. But I know many of you once a month have been over there to share your story with those young people because it's just not about passing on information. It's about making it live. It's about what it looks like in our lives. And that's such an important thing that Diane and Gary are doing over there. So what are we passing on? We're passing on God's story. We're passing on our story. And who? Who are we passing it on to? Now, obviously, we're passing it on to our own children. And we're passing it on to our grandchildren. And we're passing it on to our church children. But what about those people who can't come on a Sunday? People who still want their children to know about God's story, but can't make it for whatever reason on a Sunday. So that's why we have Messy Church. And that's why a lot of the families that come to Messy Church, some of them are from our church community, but a lot of them are from people, are, are, are families that don't come on a Sunday. And it's our way of reaching out. The same with Jigsaw for the very young, the young toddlers. It's our way of reaching out, saying, we're, we're here for you. We're here for you seven days, not just on a Sunday. But what about those children who are never brought to church? whose parents may actually be not at all bothered about, their, about them hearing God's story. What about those children? We are in a parish church, and this is the boundary. It'll be going up during our prayers. This is the boundary of our parish. And in the Anglican church, we have it, the whole country is divided up into parishes. And the idea is that... Um, you are responsible as a local parish church for all the people who live in your parish for reaching out to all of them. Now, my mum went to a church once and the people in the church, it was a chapel, paid the minister. Nothing wrong with that. But they themselves, because they paid the minister, only really wanted the minister to come and visit them, to preach to them. They got a little bit uncomfortable when the minister said, well, actually, I'd like to take the message a little bit further because they felt his job was to look after them in their congregation. And in the Anglican church, it's very different. We see everyone who lives in our parish, 28,000 people, many of them families, we see that as our mission. So what about those people who never who never come to church and who would never bring their children to church? How are we reaching out to those people? Well, some of you will have been here last week and heard all about Junior Soup and how um, Helen goes out to schools, whether they're church schools or not, she goes out and she works with those children in lunchtime clubs. She's organized this amazing thing. I'm not going to talk very much about it because we're going to hear about it in a couple of weeks. Junior Soup, children who are passionate about saving the world in some way or another. And when they had their Junior Soup evening, lots and lots of parents came that would never have darkened our doors but came to support their children in junior soup. I'd just like to read you when I asked Diane 
to say, what, what is she doing to reach out to those people who will never come to church or maybe to no church in our parish because there are lots of churches in our parish doing an amazing job. And it was last minute. I am a last minute person. So she wrote um, greetings from the Memorial Stadium family enclosure. So I think she was there to watch a football match. 30 minutes to kick off. The police, parish council and South, Gloss, and South Gloss Council were concerned about the antisocial behaviour of the young people in Downend and Bromley Heath. So Councillor Cathy Morris contacted me and came to visit, offering funding from both SGC and the police to address this problem. From SGC, we received funding with which we set up a detached youth team. I met with the managers of the co-op and Sainsbury's and attended a community meeting and a few of us toured the trouble spots in a police vehicle and found that Friday evenings were the problem. So the Christchurch detached team, it's difficult to say that, goes out on a Friday evening armed with hot chocolate and Kit Kats. There has been no trouble and some good conversations and we have only had to put out one fire with our hot chocolate. <laughs> The strength of this ministry is that we have already formed relationships with some of the young people. We meet through, um, we meet through years of running, we, uh, the young people we have met through years of running youth clubs. When they realize it's us, they talk because they trust us. The police have also given us funding to take into Down End School an outreach ministry. And I'm not going to go on because I don't know how she had time to write all this before kickoff. But she's talking about a ministry in Down End School um, which helps young girls with their identity. And, uh, and they're hoping to start one um, with boys as well. So who are we passing this message on to? We are passing this message on to all our children. There are people sitting in this church today who've got links overseas as well and are supporting schools and all kinds of programs far far from these shores god has given us a message to pass on to all children about how much he loves them when do we pass it on when i go into church schools i'm working in the worcester diocese at the moment we have 115 church schools there I talk to them about collective worship being the beating heart of their school. That's where the Christian vision and the Christian values are communicated. And I talk to them about the importance of the whole school community being present. How else, if you're thinking about a heart beating, will that blood, if you like, circulate to every part of the school if there are some people who are absenting themselves. We all know what happens to a limb when the blood is not circulating to it. So everybody needs to be there. And in a way, it's a picture of our church. The people here who come week by week, many of them bringing their children, because this is the beating heart. Of course, our homes also are where that happens. That every opportunity, it says in that passage that we read in Deuteronomy, when we're standing up, when we're sitting down, before we go to bed, when we rise. It's, that, it's the way of saying, their way of saying, at, at all times, this message needs to be on our lips. We need to take relevant 
Um, sensitively, we need to be sharing this message, helping our children to understand how we live it out. And then, on to the how. Last week, a little girl who was here for the very first time came rushing in after the Sunday groups. And she was looking uh, for her family sitting just over here. And I said, so how did it go? So she said, well, it was fun. So I said, so why was it fun? And she said, because there was loads of running about. <laughs> and I, said, I just thought that was the most amazing answer. Because, you know, we're about lighting fires. We're not about filling buckets. We're about lighting fires, not filling buckets. It might have been the most amazing lesson in the world, but they might have been sat there, bored out of their minds, and that little girl, for one, wouldn't have wanted to come back. What is important is that we're inspiring these children and that they are having fun. What we need to remember is that now we are communicating this message in a way that is relevant to this generation. It's not going to be the way some of us learnt about it, but it's going to be a way that is relevant to them. So how are we doing it? We're doing it in ways that are appropriate. And whose responsibility is it? Now, some of us are, some of you will be gifted in communicating with children. But not all of us are. And we just had a request for, um, for helpers for the Orbitron party. First of all, we want people to invite children to the Orbitron party. It's amazing the work that Helen is doing in proactively putting on events that all children will enjoy. But she's often asking for helpers. She's often asking for people to clear up. You know, it's all of our responsibility in whatever we can do. And I know I'm passionate about this, and you can just take that into consideration, you know, when you're weighing up uh, the force of this particular message. I am passionate about this. Paul says, let in 1 Corinthians 14, it is your first priority. He says it is of first importance to pass this message on. And we have a team that are just doing it in the most amazing and creative ways. And finally, you'll be pleased to hear, is the why. Why do we pass it on? And I'm not going to use my words to explain why we should pass it on. Over this last year, we have heard some amazing testimonies from our young people because we've had baptisms and we've had confirmations. And they've come and they've told us why they are ready to take that next step. And one of those, which is on our website, so you can go and see it, uh, was Maddie. This is just some of what she said. I have grown up in a Christian family. I've been going to church my whole life. When my parents became a bit less strict, <laughs> I still found myself wanting to go. Even sometimes when my friends didn't go, I still found myself wanting to go. This is how I knew it had become my faith. 
Since I've been going to my new school, I've started a Christian union for years 10 and 11, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out. At Elevate, which is a Bible study that I go to on a Wednesday night, we've been doing a Freedom in Christ course. It's taught me what it means to be a Christian every day and not just on a Sunday. Why do I want to be baptized? I want to show people that this is what I believe. I have a good relationship with God and I am ready. Why do we pass it on? That's why we pass it on.